Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different news in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. What are you thankful for this morning, apart from... Chocolate for breakfast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I walk into the studio. Let me read this beautiful note. Dear Lawson, as you face challenging days ahead, may you know God's peace and presence in ways you've never known before. You are a valued member of our team. God bless the North New South Wales Conference Office. So that's the office where we work. They gave me this card and they gave me... It's got a- words on the front as well. What are they uh, God transforms burdens into blessings, trials into triumph, and hardships into hope. So, so it's just like the best thing ever. And then there's a piece of like vegan white chocolate on top that was really good. Like this is the thing is that you don't understand when you find good vegan replacement food, it's like something else, dude. It's, it's full like of sugar. It's, I know. This is, this is ve- what this is is vegan diabetes. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. And that's what makes it so good. Like because regular chocolate is. Diabetes, right? Yeah, so it's vegan diabetes. Exactly. So it's like I can eat it and negatively impact my health and have a good conscience about it. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's really good. Also, guys, my cookbook released last night. So we dropped, we've got a trailer. You can sign up. Um, I'm just going to do some sneaky promotion. You can head to ASOC Newcastle, uh, yes. which is our Facebook page, Adventist Students on Campus Newcastle. Head over there, click the link, fill out the form, and you'll get my cookbook. That's fantastic. Uh, there's other contributors as well? Um, well, I, yeah. So it basically it was br- like really brainstormed within ASOC. I was like the lead editor and designer. Um, nice. and then we had, nice. um, a few people pitching in, um, some different recipes, which we, which we threw in together. And, and so, yeah, it's completely free and it's vegan and it's healthy and it's easy and it's cheap. So. Get in, guys. Perfect for students, right? Perfect for students. Perfect for everyone. Like, some of the meals in there I just eat all the time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, I have a question for you. Yes? How do you feel about invasive species? I feel very badly about invasive species. I would like to exterminate all invasive species in Australia. Okay. Eradicate. Eradicate. Yes. Well, I'm glad you said that because someone has come up with a way to do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, okay, this is not be every single invasive species, but specifically um, in Europe, they are going through like their, like one of the biggest threats to bees, right? So we know that bees have been under threat. Their numbers go up, their numbers go down. There's all different things contributing to that. One of the biggest threats, and I think, I think one of the things that really started the diminishing of the bee population was the introduction of murder hornets into Europe. So basically they're large. Asian hornets that came through on a crater from China, um, and they got introduced into Europe and just a crate on a freighter. Uh, it, like, like they came because you said a crater. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. So you, yeah, a, I was just thinking, yeah, there's a big old crater over there in China. It, it sort of blew up. Yeah, on a freighter. <laughs> a they came over in a crate on a freighter, got introduced <laughs> accidentally into Europe and have, because these things are massive, they're way bigger than bees, they're way stronger than bees, they just go through and eat, like, and kill all the bees and eat the hives and leave. Like, they're massive. Nasty, nasty bugs. Nasty, invasive species. They're not only, like, just, like, bad for bees, but then they're, like, super aggressive and will sting you and... Dude, flying insects, like other than bees, like 
Hornets and wasps freak me out. Like, I, my heart, that's like an actual phobia for me. Like, my heart starts beating. So, if we can get rid of these things, that would be a good thing. This guy um, has a beekeeper who was completely devastated um, in Europe, in France, specifically by murder hornets. Um, he vowed to find a solution to get rid of them. So, basically, this French beekeeper, his name's Denis Jaffre. Um, after like three years of designing and prototyping and coming up with all different things, he has created the most epic murder hornet trap ever. Oh, cool. So, so basically, it looks like a big bee. Yes. And it, what it has is around its like um, abdominal area. It's it's a three D printed bee right. that around its abdominal area. It's got like all this like sugar and like honey and stuff um, with a hole it, that you can like that insects can go inside. But that's the thing is that on the other side there are a bunch of really tiny holes that bees and regular wasps can, can get through. But the murder hornets they go in there, get stuck, and can't leave. So they get stuck inside the bee. Yes, in this big fake bee. Inside the big fake bee. Yeah, that's covered in sugar. How many? How many murder hornets can you get inside there? Um. So I'm assuming from the size of it, probably like oh, I don't know, like a decent few or something. But this is the thing: is that so? This is just in its production stage at the yes. moment. Oh, yes. sorry, it's been through its prototype stage. They've moved into production. You know, they've got a workforce of ten people, and they're three D printing these things. And orders are just flooding in. Their startup has just grown exponentially. If you had stock in this company, you're like killing it right now because everyone is just getting in to get this like murder hornet trap. That's amazing. How often do you have to empty it? Um, well, how, you can, I guess how, how, how quickly does it fill up? I mean, it would depend. That's right. It? That's I'm right. Really because busy. the only bug that it can really catch, and the, the, he's put some like thought and design into this, and like, firstly, how to attract it, and secondly, how to only catch murder hornets. Yes. Um, and basically, it's like once it fills up with, yeah. Just go and empty it and fill it back up again. Yeah, that's right. You, you can literally, like, just, you could wash it out with water, right? Which would kill them inside, and then just, like, you know, shake it and just chuck it back in the tree or whatever it is and keep going. You know, you could just, like for a beekeeper, for a professional... It looks, it looks like it would be fairly inexpensive too. Like I could buy like a hundred of them. And yeah, that's right. Them my and property. you think about like for an, like this is definitely a worthy investment and for a full-time beekeeper who has like hundreds of hives and is making honey professionally, like to have a bunch of these around there isn't like a, you know too big of a cost obviously like you know just random consumers would want to buy it too like just to have one because they hate murder hornets because they should because they're an Mm -hmm, invasive mm -hmm. species that kill bees that actually do something um and they have no natural predators that's like the other massive problem but essentially yeah they just are terrible and this is an awesome thing that they're doing that is really really i love this idea this This is the best idea ever so we need to have one of these for cats and foxes in australia (laughs) I knew it was coming. I was like, cats and foxes. Cats dude. and foxes, pigs, goats, you know, the list goes on. I mean, they're okay, they're selling goats these days for money, but. Um, yeah. Cats, right. foxes, and pigs, let's start there. Yeah, they eradicate for those right. from Australia, it would transform this nation. That's right. We need someone to think really hard on these things and make some pr- 3D printable device that can take them out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which would be... The, the problem with cats, foxes, and bees is that, like, they don't fly or anything, so it's hard to get them into, like, a, a trap that wouldn't just kill other 
native animals. But, you know, someone will come up, someone will f- figure out why cats are so annoying and bad and figure out how to use that against them. Indeed, indeed, absolutely. Surely. Right now they just have shotguns and they just drive around in cars and kill them. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And 1080 poison. That's about all we've got at the moment. That's right. Hey. Come up with something like this. I read a story this morning which, like, just... There's something that you always say is, like, oh, I don't eat meat, therefore that that's my carbon offset. Yes. I read a story this morning that just kind of enforced that from a different perspective. Oh, good. Um, basically, like... Uh, I like stories that support my ideas. Yeah, really. But this is more from the conservation perspective. But essentially, like, what I've been reading here... So the IUCN, which is the um, International um, United Conservation of Nature Act and those guys, uh, they have a list of threatened species. And yesterday they made an update to the list that um, moved four different species of tuna from endangered to least concerned. Yes. Which is fantastic because, like, these are all fish that are massively professionally fished. Um, so, specifically, it's like the Atlanta, the Atlantic bluefin tuna, the southern bluefin tuna, the albacore and yellowfin tunas, and the Pacific bluefin tuna. And I just look at this, I'm like, dude, if you stop eating meat, the pressure to tuna becomes minuscule overnight. Like, if everyone just stopped Yeah, that's eating- right. And, and, these are, and these are fish that are not farmed. Yeah, that's you know, right. We only have the wild population, and our human population is too big to support the wild population. That's right. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, your words are ringing in my head. Like, oh, yeah, you just stop eating meat, and there's your carbon offset. Yeah, you're saving the world right there. Like, in, in such a tangible way. Like, as soon as protections are put on these fish, and they're not allowed to fish them anymore, oh, look, look at that. Their numbers went up, and their species is, is saved. And it's Bouncing not going, back. Not going extinct. So we, should talk about, we should talk about the positive, uh, yes, positive news yes, story of the, of the year. Of the year. Yep, so... Three-year-old Anthony A.J. Elifak has been found. He has indeed three days missing in the bush. And he's back. He's back. He's alive, got a few scratches, and it seems that's all he's got. And, of course, this is up in the mountains where it's freezing cold, Mm. uh, frosty nights, um, autism so that he's he's non-verbal, he doesn't speak, that kind of Mm. stuff. So huge challenges and hugely exciting to see him found again. Yeah, that's right. Uh, When they found him, they said he's got nappy rash, he's been bitten by some ants and he's fallen over, but... He's alive. That's about it. He was drinking water from a creek and, you know, climbing. Well, they found him in a gully. Uh, But this is 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 a miracle. Um, 100%. There was large calls to prayer, you know, for this kid to be able to, you know, to be found, like people really relying on it, God. Uh, it, 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 it was, you know, yesterday, as I've been following this story yesterday, I was starting to pretty much give up on this story. But, you know, mm. this story, Lawson, is a story that reminds me of, you know, the, the reaction of the disciples mm. when they found that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. You know, you look at the reaction yeah. of the family and you kind of think, okay, that would be similar to the reaction of the disciples when they found that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. Mm. So uh, I thought we'd... We'd play a song that relates to that this morning, and so this is Dolly Parton now with He's Alive. The gates and doors are barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow, and half in fear the day Would find the soldiers breaking through To drag a song away 
Just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle, and the voice began to call. I hurried to the window, looked down into the street, expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in. John stood there beside me as she told me where she'd been. She said they moved him in the night and none of us knows where. The stone's been rolled away and now his body isn't there. So we both ran toward the garden, then John ran on ahead. We found the stone, an empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheet that wrapped him in was just an empty shell. And how would it take more than I could tell Oh, something strange had happened there Just what I did not know John believed a miracle But I just turned to go Circumstance and speculation Couldn't lift me very high Cause I'd seen them crucify him Then I saw him die Inside the house again The guilt and anguish came Everything I promised him Just added to my shame When at last it came to choices I denied I knew his name And even if he was alive It wouldn't be the same But suddenly The air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume Light that came from everywhere Drove shadows from the room And Jesus stood before me With his arms held open wide And I fell down on my knees And I just clung to him and cried Then he raised me to my feet And as I looked into his eyes The love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt in my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I'd ever had just melted into peace.
That's Dolly Parton with He's Alive, celebrating, of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the joy that the disciples had on finding him alive after three, day, three days after being crucified. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, here's an interesting comment. Murder hornets. Unless they were made in the laboratory, this is coming through on the text message, unless they were made in the laboratory, God was going to use them to get rid of the nations in the promised land. Everything that God created had a good reason. Unfortunately, that is what sin does. I'm sure we haven't seen anything yet. So this is an interesting one. The Bible does say that uh, God would have not made the Israelites fight for the promised land, but would have driven the inhabitants out with hornets if they had been truly faithful to him. And then they migrated over to Asia and spent a bit of time there, and now they're killing all the bees. So In Europe. In Europe, yeah. So they could have done something good. So basically it's our fault. It's humanity's fault Uh that that murder hornets exist and are ravaging Europe. (laughs) Anyways. Anyway, moving on with our news stories this morning, moving on to more serious news. Uh, Okay, we did promise that we would talk about this Texas abortion bill. I tend to think we're going to talk about it a few more times before the end of the year because this is just starting. This is just starting to hot up. Oh, man. And these Texas guys are very, very shrewd in the way they've brought this bill through in a way that it is incredibly hard to legally challenge it. Mm. Because what the bill does is it gives you the right to sue any abortion clinic that commits an abortion after a heartbeat has been discovered. Mm. So it doesn't create it as a criminal offence. So then where does that actually place this law when you've got the law being enforced by the population? Yeah. Okay. Uh, where, where does, how, do you, how do you fight this as being against the Constitution? You know, it's, it's not a criminal act. It's not, you know, it's a, it's a civil thing. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting law. It's going to be a very interesting precedent that has been set right here and interesting to watch what happens. But so far it's been upheld by the Supreme Court with a 4-5 majority, 5-4 majority. Mm. Okay, so this is some of the uh, reactions to it so far. Um, the federal government is pulling out all stops to overturn this bill. Uh, Biden has stated that he will be challenging it under. Oh, so the, the local state government will be challenging it under the Face Act, um, which is which is an act that said that it was criminal criminal to prohibit the use of force or physical obstruction to a person seeking an abortion. And so this was an act that was basically brought into place to uh, stop people from, you know standing outside an abortion clinic and when a woman's going into abortion, you can't grab her and physically stop her from going into the abortion clinic. Mm. Yeah, those That kind of a law. And so they're like, yeah, we think we can use this law to overturn the Texas law because it, that is a Texas law. Federal government has, uh, is, is contemplating sending in the FBI to ensure people can uh, take the lives of babies in Texas. Uh, so that's an interesting move. And the reason behind sending in the FBI to ensure this is because Joe Biden has said that this is violence against women. And so he's protecting women from violence by allowing them to take the lives of their children. I hate this. I hate that we have to talk about this. Like, uh, yeah, I um, I have a lot of, like, similarly aged people on on facebook and i feel like you know political activism is something that particularly you know unis and stuff like people have a lot to say and 
this is far more like far more than COVID or vaccines or anything. This just makes me like sad and angry and upset. Like I'm uh, and kind of add on your own, probably with a bunch of your people that would be your age. Yeah, like I, I'm, you know, as like I'll I'll, I'll disclose, like I, I I believe that abortion is bad. Like I I think that it's I think that it's not a good thing. I think we could be doing so much for single mothers. I really believe like the solution to abortion is support. Like That's if right. we just put our best foot forward to support single mothers, like we don't have to go through this. Absolutely. And yet it's such an issue and, and particularly like... And hold fathers to account as well. And hold fathers, yes. We like, have the technology to find out who the father is these days. Yeah. Find out who the father is and you can pay support. Yeah, like I am just so, yeah, this just, it, it makes my blood boil. You know, and I don't come from it from the perspective either of like, you know, being, um, man, I think it would be even more so like, because then I know people who have that perspective of like, oh, yeah, I could have been potentially aborted. My parents were in that position and they had that conversation, had that yeah. thought, and I'm born today. And thank God that I'm born. abortion survivors right here in this office. In this office. Like, and, and I just, I start to think, like, the, the logic just runs through my head. It's like, so you're telling me if you're in the same position as that baby, you would rather not exist. Yes, I've never met an abortion survivor yet who has taken that position yeah. Uh, I just haven't, but I have met. Well, I have noticed that uh, abortion mothers suffer a hundred percent. Oh, depression, dude! It's 100%. so tough. Like find an abortion mother who hasn't suffered with depression. They just, just don't exist. It's just the lose lose. It's it is. so scary. Oh, anyway. So uh, yeah, the um, so um, you've you've got all of these different uh, legal avenues that are being explored, and one of the legal avenues that are being explored, and it's interesting to find, uh, you know, who ends up as strange bedfellows in these kinds of uh, circumstances, and mm. so Joe Biden's end up in the same bed as the Satanic Temple this time around. Oh, I saw that. Oh, yeah. yikes! Um, which is uh, their legal avenue is that abortion is a religious right. Uh, they actually practice a satanic a satanic abortion ritual, and they are claiming that this is an infringement on their religious liberty. Uh, so they are seeking an exemption under Texas Religious Restoration Act. They state that satanic abortion ritual is designed to empower the member to assert or reassert power and control over their mind and body, and that they should have the same legal protections as Native Americans do to use peyote, which is a mind-altering drug yeah. that they have used for you know many many centuries, long before uh, colonization of the United States by uh, Europeans. And so they say, well, this is you know our religious liberty to be able to do so, and we should have that same religious liberty. The problem is that religious liberty has never extended to child sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, religious liberty—that's not re- that's not what religious liberty is all about. Yeah, you know, and, and it never has been. In fact, religious liberty is very, very strongly against child sacrifice. Mm. I find it interesting that they're coming out and saying that uh, the taking the life of babies for the satanic temple is a religious ritual for them. Mm. That's child sacrifice. Yeah, it's like right there, and then it's like being practiced right now in Western countries and being done legally. And and the the interesting thing about that as well is that. The age of abortion, like this is the thing, is that this legislation limits the 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 period of when a baby can be aborted. Yes, but in many other places, particularly in the states, it's going the other way, where now you can have post abortion. Yeah, post post birth abortion. Yeah, and it's like okay, well then, how far Which does that extend? Infanticide. As a, 
Dude, it's just and oh, dude, even like how long does a baby have to survive after its abortion for it to be able to be count. provided medical care? Yeah, that's right. To be able to count as like a living human being, it even like we've talked about this before. I, this stuff, I'm going to sound so woke saying this, but dude, abortion is 100% ableist as well. Like it, it, like it also exists just to weed out those who seem weak in the womb. Like this is exactly you know, right. and Joe Biden in depend, defending this stated exactly that. Let me read it to you. Um, he stated that it impairs the women's women's access to healthcare. It impacts people of color and people who are low income. Oh, in so other they words, should die instead of existing. Yes, yeah. yeah ex- that's exactly what he just said. <laughs> and so he's come straight out and admitted that, yeah, uh, abortion is racist, it is eugenist, and it is sexist. And this is a good thing. <laughs> I'm, I am so lost. I am like... That's, that's, that's what he said. That I'm quoting right there. <laughs> he vowed to throw the entire weight of the US federal government at overturning the uh, Texas... Um, uh, abortion law, uh, including the Department of Health, Human Services, Department of Justice, and to focus all resources on at his disposal to overturning that particular law. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. Joining us on the phone this morning for our interview of the day is Jared Stackelroth, who is the editor for Signs of the Times magazine. Jared, welcome to the show. Lyle, great to be back again. Thanks for having me. Now, of course, uh, you join us each month to tell us uh, what is happening with Signs of the Times and give us a bit of a, uh, a preview of you know, the latest articles and so forth that have been growing out, sort of, uh, yeah, whet our appetite for the interesting material that you're producing. What is happening this month in Signs of the Times? Yeah, it's hard to believe, Lyle, that um, this year is the 20th anniversary of September 11, um, the, the 9-11 event that sort of rocked the world. So we've got two of our American friends of Signs who have both written reflections on, I guess, that event and one is more of a personal story and, and I guess tracing some of the events of that day through and the other is how the world has changed and some of the trends that have emerged and how the, the events shaped and rocked our world as we know it. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that there are 20-year-olds running around who weren't even born when 9-11 happened for you know people like you and I. It's like, yeah, that was just not that very long ago at all and is very fresh in our minds, but... You know, it's appropriate that I guess we talk about this particularly as the war in Afghanistan is coming to an end, 20 years of warfare there. The personal story article, in what way was this person who writes their story, in what way were they impacted by 9-11? How directly were they impacted by 9-11? Mark Kellner is a journalist in the state. He works for the Washington Times and he, I mean, he grew up and lived in New York. He wasn't there at the time possibly thankfully for him, but he was there just before the event and had sort of toyed with the idea of going up the World Trade Centers and sort of decided, hey, they'll always be there. We'll do it next time, interestingly enough, and there never was a next time. So he and his wife originated from New York and I guess had a lot of 
personal connections. He knew um, people on the planes. He knew people who were impacted in a big way by this this event. So yeah, he had a number of connections, I, I suppose you could say. Yes, and certainly more connections than what most people here in Australia would have. It's sort of a little bit harder for us to imagine that I do know someone myself, you know, and this is kind of third hand. They're like, yeah, well, my, their cousin worked in the uh, in the World Trade Centers, but they weren't, you know, at work at, on that particular day, and so um, and, and you know, didn't lose their life. Praise God for that. But um, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely closer to home for Americans in general. But if you know someone that was on one of the planes, then that's definitely coming very, very close to home. Just tracing through their particular story, their journey, what are some of the lessons that they are looking at in that particular article? So I think one of the great points to come out of this, Lyle, is that for many people, I guess the September 11 attacks were viewed as a sign of the end. The apocalypse was coming. And so it pushed a number of people across the U.S. to, I guess, seek God. And the author here says, sadly, that feeling of a need to turn to God did not last long. Once the shock wore off, once the debris fields were contained for cleanup, once life returned to normal, for most of us it was easy, perhaps necessary, to compartmentalize the experience and return to daily life. It just is interesting to me, you know, and I guess the idea that we're living through a global pandemic at the moment I wonder how it will impact the current generation of children who are growing up in this time. I remember, and this is showing my age, I was sort of at high school, heading to high school on the bus on the the morning that we woke up here in Australia and we heard the news and just watching that and thinking, what is my future going to look like? Is there going to be a world war? You know, is is this is this event going to just turn everything different? It just destroyed the happy life that I've lived as a child up till this point. And I guess there are people looking at the world today in the current events, you know, pulling out of Afghanistan, seeing some of the the pandemic news on the news every single news cycle. Um, I guess there's a lot of fear and anxiety for us. And, you know, that has the impact of people seeking God, but also creating anxiety and, and uncertainty. And I guess as this author reflects, we need to understand where we are in the state of the world in cosmos and, it's important at times like this to pull together and support and encourage one another, but also to have a hope and an encouragement. That's what science is all about, and that's why we, I guess, are looking at these events 20 years on. It's looking for hope out of the rubble. It's looking for you know, the idea that God is still with us, even in the darkest and most difficult times that we live through. So I, I really think, you know, hopefully our readers find it interesting to reflect on September 11. Maybe they remember where they were or what they were doing and and looking back at how life has changed since then for all of us. But also finding hope and finding the understanding that God does care about our future and he is interested in in how things in this world turn out. He does have a hand in in our good and in making sure that we're walking with him and, and that we have something to look forward to. Yes, indeed. And I think that for myself, and you know, I'm a few years older than what you are, and so there's sort of been three permanently world-changing events in my lifetime. The first would be the fall of communism, the, the end of the Cold War and the coming down of the wall. Uh, the second would be 9-11, and the third is obviously what we're living in right now. So I think that you know, to actually have articles that look at you know, our last most recent 
world-changing event, event that completely changed the world, uh, is worth looking at right now because we are in the middle of one of those events right now. The world will never be the same again. That's right. All right. So what else is uh, are you guys talking about in Science Magazine? Uh, obviously, Father's Day falls in September, so we've got a couple of articles uh, for fathers or about fathers as well. Um, I've actually written a piece about how, I guess, the way we relate to our own father is often how we learn to relate to the world and, and learn to relate to God. Um, and so just exploring some of the ramifications of that, because, you know, we all have both positive and negative memories and, and interactions with our own earthly fathers. And so how does that shape, I guess, the relationship that we have with God? Indeed, indeed. And Father's Day for me, of course, is a time of uh, of tremendous thankfulness. I was raised by my father and he gave me such a great model of who God is in many ways, an imperfect one. I think we all need to recognize that none of us are perfect, but... Mm. You know, it's a time of thankfulness for me. I recognize at the same time that for other people, they have either had not had a father, they might have had an abusive father, and it can really damage a person's view of God and of the world. Mm. And I guess it's important to understand and to recognize that God, while our earthly fathers may not be perfect, and I also had a, a wonderful relationship, have a wonderful relationship with my father. You know, I love him very much, and, you know, Father's Day is a nice time to reach out and, and to contact my dad's interstate. So it's, it, it was a nice FaceTime and phone call because we're locked down at the moment. But it's really, it's important to acknowledge that not everyone has that same experience with their father. And there is a lot of social issues in our society that can be linked directly to absent fathers mm. or, or um, that sort of space being not filled in a positive way, but perhaps by toxic fathers or absent fathers. And so, you know, that's important to recognize. But um, our other author, one of our other writers, sort of reflected on learning to listen as a father, some of his fatherhood experiences and how he, I guess, grew and learned through that. And as a new father myself, you know, I'm still learning the ropes and, and making mistakes and thinking about, oh, how can I do the best for my my daughter? How can I be the best father I can be? So both writing the article that I wrote and, and reading the other um, experience of that other dad and how he learnt to be a father through the journey, they were both very informative and helpful processes for me as a father. So I hope that you know men out there that are reading the Science Magazine will get some encouragement from those articles. Yeah, absolutely, and we need all the encouragement we can, particularly for fathers at this time. It is probably one of the biggest uh, challenges that we have in the family unit is um, mm. absent absent fathers today. So, yeah, thank you for making that emphasis. Okay, so we've got a couple of stories on 9-11 um, and world-changing events. We've got a couple of stories on fatherhood. Uh, what else do we have happening in signs? I guess, as you know, Lyle, we always like to have some well-being, some um, health sort of helpful health tips uh, this this month in September, it is also RUAK Day. Very, um, very important emphasis on mental health. And so one of our authors, uh, Ashley Stanton, she looks at what, what mental illness is and, and some of the stigma that has grown around that. And also how to, in a, in a brief sort of sense, how to help or support or some of the resources that are available to those who are impacted. 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, we always like to uh, remind our listeners that, uh, you know, the lifeline number 131114 is the number to call. There are many other numbers, and I guess you would probably have a whole bunch of resources that are listed in that particular article, um, which would be super useful for anybody who is, you know, struggling in those particular areas at at this particular time. Jared, thank you for sharing us with us some tip di- some tidbits of uh, what's happening in Science Magazine. How do we interact with Science Magazine and how do we get subscriptions to this amazing uh, production that you have? If you just visit signsofthetimes.org.au, you'll find the ability to read our articles, uh, to listen to the podcast, to subscribe, uh, to donate and Anything else you'd like to to do to interact there? We're also on Facebook, um, Twitter, and we have yeah those social media presences as well. So there's plenty of ways to interact with science, and yeah, we'd love we'd love you to stop by and make a comment, um, say good day, and and yeah. Yeah, that, absolutely, absolutely, and I just encourage everybody to do that because um, you know this is this is the kind of magazine that you won't just be blessed by. It's something you can read, you can share it with other people, you can you know subscribe in behalf of another person as a gift, maybe maybe a Father's Day gift. If you are sort of running a little bit late on Father's Day, there's probably a few out there doing that. Uh, give them a subscription to Science Magazine. It's a uh, it's a great magazine and a great opportunity to be able to share something really positive in our world right now. Jared Stackeroff. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.